Welcome to Hope from the Front Lines. Each week, we peek beyond the headlines, finding stories of struggle, passion, and strength from essential caregivers of color doing the heavy lift, protecting Chicago's most vulnerable during this COVID-19 pandemic. Isolation, loneliness, and depression can affect all age groups and populations. Before America's more than 1.4 million nursing home residents, these feelings are all too common. The COVID-19 pandemic has made things worse, and the toll can be fatal. Social isolation and loneliness can be linked to physical and mental illnesses, including high blood pressure, heart disease, obesity, weakened immune system, anxiety, depression, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's disease, and even premature death. I'm Brianna Higgins with Home Away From Home, How Social Distancing Has Influenced Mental Health in Nursing Homes. Studies show that lack of social interaction negatively affects the emotional well-being, but mental health care is a luxury in assisted living homes that's not always available. Robin Davis, a nursing assistant at Villa at Windsor Park Nursing Home, recalls the effects of isolation on the residents. I believe it plays a big part with their emotions and mental health, like emotional-wise, like uh, not being able to really hug a family member. I mean, we do have visitation now, but due to CDC, of course, they're not allowed in the building. So a lot of times when people don't see nobody, you know, that, that already triggered it. So when this pandemic really hit, uh, yeah, it just kind of made it worse. Healthcare intervention can combat some of those feelings, but with restrictions on interactions with workers, friends, and family members, patients are at a higher risk for both contracting coronavirus and enduring mental emotional distress. CNAs, psychologists, and medical professionals paying attention to the habits of residents can help spot early signs of depression, isolation, and stress. Faster detection can mean quicker help for those individuals. Christine Curtis has been a CNA for 22 years and says they had to keep an even closer eye on everyone's behaviors. If we noticed, if the other CNAs noticed that they wasn't eating, if they was once, let's say they was eating all their food and they wasn't eating all their food or they wasn't touching their food, then we would inform the nurse that, oh, she hasn't been eaten in two days. Then the nurse will inform manager and management on our floor will come and test them. Those who contracted the virus were first sent off to be investigated for symptoms and tested. To accommodate them, the villa designated the third floor of the building to residents who tested positive and had to quarantine for 14 days. They also had to stay in the COVID unit until they tested negative for the virus two or three times before returning to their rooms. Once they graduated off the COVID floor, there was a ceremony held to celebrate their good health. Robin worked on the COVID unit for five months and says her biggest task was making sure everyone stayed in high spirits. We do not watch the news. Uh, we also have a, like a bulletin board. It's like a dry erase. And we put daily quotes and that itself will encourage not only the residents, but us, you know, to make it through the day. 
sometimes you might catch us doing a prayer. We're praying our bubble soup, okay? We're write our good quote, and we're going to say we're going to hydrate, we're going to encourage, and we're going to beat COVID-19. That was our saying. They focused on beating the virus to stay on track. That's the daily goal, to get back healthy. And, you know, I kept a tally on who was, who was being the strongest throughout the day, you know? And we, we give them something nice, you know, something personal that, you know, the staff will buy. Or we will offer food, you know, they offer a good cook, home-cooked meal if they remind you of your daughter or if this will help you get through their day. And they, you know what? I got a lot of them to eat. As the deputy director and vice president of nursing homes with SEIU, Sylvia Martinez says social distancing guidelines made visitation impossible at first. So a lot of them were not able to see their families. And so they were the, you know, which in many cases they are the only person that sees them, that visits them, that cares for them, because a lot of them, some of them don't have families, but those that do, were not able to see them. Um, there was no visitors allowed. But when it came to the care, they just had to, they continued to provide the care as they normally would, but with the only exception that they had to have the proper PPE to do so and for the residents' protection and for the workers' protection. Robin says, to cope, patients leaned on staff to ease stress. And feel like we're a family. We're, we're, we're more than just, you know, workers sit down. So as long as they see us, that's what gets them through that type of mindset because it'd be a brief moment of feeling like that. It's not like no, you know, like an ongoing feeling. You know what I mean? Over time, Regulations on family visits relaxed, says Christine. I think they allow to see their family like for 20 minutes because they have to uh, make an appointment. They have to make an appointment to see them, and they, uh, they still can't come inside the building. So take them outside. They have a tent and table and chairs and stuff. And they still have to stay like six feet away from their family members so they still really can't hug or kiss their loved ones because they have to be six feet apart and they have a mask on. Frequent social interactions like visiting their friends' rooms, doing social activities, and eating together were not allowed for the safety of everyone. Christine says once the schedule was interrupted, it caused a lot of confusion. They didn't understand why they had to wear a mask and why they had to be six feet from they, from they um friends and stuff, because they was going to rooms trying to visit each other or if we couldn't catch them in time they'll be in the room or they'll see each other and they'll hug each other and then if you catch them like you can't do that you can't hug them if you're gonna talk to them you're gonna visit you have to sit outside in the doorway to talk to them and they couldn't understand that. This was difficult to digest for elders because they didn't really, some of them really didn't understand how you catch it because um, some people you be trying to get them a shower and they're like, nah, I'm not taking no shower. I'm not going in no shower and catch that stuff. I'm like, no. Staff members recognized how important these activities were and found a system to keep them going. On Fridays, they play one of their favorite games, bingo. Robin says with a few adjustments, like announcing the numbers over the intercom and delivering prizes to their rooms, the competition continues to flow. Especially also dealing with dementia patients, they might not take too well to instructions, you know, so 
to be on the same side move forward with Bingo. They decided to keep it going, but have like a little small group, no more than maybe 10 in the hall. They separated, and the rest, the remaining players who are interested, they play from their room, like in the doorway. Like they have like a nice little setup, like they look, say they bedside table, and they can have their layout. Also with a comfortable chair, most of them in wheelchairs, so it's kind of was easy to set it up. And all ears was on this game. <laughs> At times, comforting the residents included bending the rules, like playing personal music on the COVID unit. My interaction with them that brings us real close with our classical music. You know, classical music keeps the heart rate at a nice little pace. And a lot of them got so much rest. <laughs> and guess what? We was able to enjoy a break, okay? You know? Because <laughs> they'd be at ease. You know, the hardest part about this whole pandemic, getting these people to sleep, okay? This month, the total number of cases in nursing homes rose over 170,000 in the nation, with almost 46,000 deaths. Of those, the state of Illinois had well over 9,000 confirmed cases and nearly 3,000 deaths. Currently, the villa has zero cases and has converted the COVID floor back to normal. Some relief and a sense of normalcy has been restored. It makes me feel good knowing that, you know, people chose me to even work with the individuals. And I feel very grateful that they, you know, appreciate you know, me being there with them during the difficult times because during that time, it was kind of difficult for a lot of our employees to work because of the fear of catching the COVID or, you know, it's hard to, to keep a smile on your face when you know it's tragic outside the world and you don't want to remind them what's going on outside. I'm Brianna Higgins with Hope from the Frontlines. Thank you for joining Hope from the Frontlines. Our series is produced by Juneteenth Productions with funding support from the McCormick Foundation. Join us next week for another story of struggle, passion, and strength from essential caregivers of color protecting Chicago's most vulnerable during this COVID-19 pandemic. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are available. Do you have a story to share? Join us in the ongoing conversation on our Facebook page, Hope from the Front Lines.